Hello and welcome to Beyond Boundaries. My name is Justin Douglas. So thankful you could join me today for this episode. If you want to learn more about me or find the show notes for this episode, you can go to pastorjustindouglas.com. You can interact there with feedback, comments, and questions, or you can reach out via Instagram. I'm at pastorjustindouglas. Also, please consider subscribing, rating, reviewing, and sharing. It really does make a difference. On this episode of Beyond Boundaries, I'm joined by Dr. Mark Baker. Dr. Mark Baker is professor of mission and theology at Fresno Pacific Bible Seminary in Fresno, California. He served as a missionary in Honduras for 10 years and has written a number of books, uh, including the one we're looking at today, Centered Set Church. Dr. Baker and I discussed this new book. It's a book all about going beyond the boundaries we see in our world, so it fits perfect for this podcast. I really enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Baker, and I hope you do as well. Welcome to Beyond Boundaries. I'm joined by Dr. Mark Baker, professor of mission and theology at Fresno Pacific University. Dr. Baker is the author of Centered Set Church, Discipleship and Community Without Judgment or Without Judgmentalism. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Baker. How are you today? It is great to be with you. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thanks for the invitation. I'm looking forward to it too. I read your book and um, some people who know uh, this podcast, Beyond Boundaries, the same title I used for my TEDx talk, where I used some of these same exact principles of centered set and bounded set and talked about how we can create more inclusive, less judgmental communities. I mean, I obviously as a pastor, I meant that I'd experienced that in church communities, but, but also re, even like business leaders and other community leaders trying to give them some handles for how they could be more of a center set community. Now a TED talk is got to be clocked in under like 20 minutes and our preference for the one I did was even under 18 minutes. <laughs> so you can't really get too deep into this other than just like introducing the theory, but in your book, which by the way, my dog got a hold. Of. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, it looks a lot better than this when you get it from Amazon or wherever you get it from. But I've got a dog-eared all over because there was just so much good content in this for um, just deep like dives into uh, different questions within what it means to be centered set. Uh, so for those entering into this conversation and being like, okay, centered set church, what does that mean? Or what is this theory even in general of centered set, bounded set, and obviously fuzzy set too? Do you kind of want to set the table for us before we dive into the content of the book? Because I feel like this is one of those things that we can't just jump and dive in. We got to kind of be like, okay, here's here's the waters we're swimming in and here's yes. the definitions we're using. So do you want to do that for us sure. uh, before we get started? Yeah. And and. And yeah, even to say, I mean, you're saying, oh, yeah, I did a TED talk on this. OK, so Justin's done a TED talk. Mark's written a book. Um, but yeah, Mark doesn't own this, nor does Justin own this. So the, the, the concept comes from Paul Hebert, who was a missionary missiologist. So anyone who's talking about centered set in relation to church, it all goes back to Paul Hebert. So just uh, yep. Shout out and word of honoring his work. And he borrowed this from math. So th th these are mathematical concepts. He's a cultural anthropologist. And his, um, as a missionary in India, he, he was struggling with this issue of, you know, how do people in churches, how do they determine who belongs, who's a Christian, who's part of things? And the answers that had worked for him in Kansas weren't working in India. And I'll just say that. And yeah, in the book, I said a little bit more about his story, but 
Um, so yeah, he, he presents these three different ways that a church can define who belongs, who's a member. And, um, and for each of these is a diagram. And so I invite you, those of you listening, um, go to centeredsetchurch.com. And if you scroll down just a little bit, you'll see a thing. I think it says free PDF diagrams or something like that. And there will be these uh, these three diagrams I'm going to talk about right now. It's very visual, so better to have that in front of you. So hit pause, go get them, and um, yeah, come back. So, so a bounded group uh, defines who belongs by drawing uh, a line. And so this line consists of, it can be beliefs. Yeah, you know, let me back up a second. So th these can be applied to, you know, any group. So uh, Costco is a bounded group. You have to have a membership and then you're in. Um, I'm right now giving this definition for just to go quickly. I'm going to only refer to churches. So we're going to talk about bounded church, fuzzy church, and center church. So in a bounded church, you'd have a line and, and it could be beliefs, actions, um, rituals, things that people must do. And if they fulfill those, then they're part of the group. And so you see the circle there, they're within the circle and anyone within the circle is part and people who don't meet the requirements, who don't measure up are out, they're not in. Okay, now, yeah, so with Costco, that's not a big deal. I'm not a Costco member, I feel no shame about that. Like I'm okay, you know, Justin, somebody else, you might be like, I don't feel a sense of inferiority. But what happens um, in, in bounded churches is there's a strong pull towards, um, towards judgmentalism, towards superiority to in and out, us, them, and this sense of, you know, for, for us to be us, there needs to be a them. And we draw our sense of identity security by having this line that defines us. And, and so centered set churches, uh, even, you know, when done with sincerity, these are important things in that line, important beliefs. But when, when they operate as a bounded group, it goes towards judgmentalism. And so what, what do we do? Um, so the, 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 yeah, the common instinct would be, well, this line here is what's causing the problems. So let's get rid of the line because that's what's making judgmentalism. And so then what happens if you erase the line is the group becomes fuzzy. So either by looking at the diagram or just imagining it, if you erase the line that had defined what the group is and you take that away, well, then what defines this group? What what lets them know what it means to belong, who belongs, it's fuzzy. So what their, mission, fuzzy church, what their mission is too, right? Like it could, could even be like, that might take away their mission because their mission might've been sure. connected to that boundary or yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes, I mean, there, there's not a sense of identity because what, what gives the bounded group its sense of identity is the line. It's this is who defines who we are. You take that away, you don't have a sense of, a clear sense of identity. So a fuzzy church takes care of the judgmentalism pro problem. There's not judgmentalism. It's not looking down on others, but it creates new problems. Um, lack of identity, as you just said, but also, you know, like thinking of conversion. So, you know, in a bounded church, you come across the line, you're converted, you're in. But how you convert into a fuzzy church, because it's, it's fuzzy. And how do you, yeah, have a shared sense of direction, ethics, um, there's a uh, real hesitancy to 
lovingly confront someone for being off track because there's no track. So, um, but, but yeah, that's the alternative. And, and, and these are really on the same continuum, bounded and fuzzy, and a lot of churches are somewhere in between. Um, but what Hebert points to is a, a wholly different alternative. So we're going we're gonna to step off of that line, that continuum, and rather than thinking of line or no line, a wholly different way of identifying who belongs is to look at relationship with the center. So rather than saying, where are you in relation to this line we've drawn, we look at, we, we define a common center. So we say Jesus is our center. And then, I mean, any church is going to have more than that in their center, but we'll, we'll stick with that as a common, you know, as, as one we could all agree on. Jesus is a center. So then who belongs is we look is someone oriented towards Jesus? Are they, are they oriented towards the center? And if they are, they're part of our group because we all share this common directional orientation. So then the beauty with that is um, that people can be at different spaces from the center. Some can be very close. Some could be just, you know, I'm interested in this Jesus thing. I'm just turning. I'm, I'm seeking. I'm looking towards here. And they're, they may be way away. Their life may be a mess, but they're looking towards Jesus. And in a bounded group, there's this sense of, oh, wait a minute. You know, you need to get straightened up here to be part of our group. But since my identity in a centered church is not rooted in the line, it's rooted in the center, it, um, there's more space for allowing some messiness with where people are at as long as they're headed towards a center. But uh, a key thing, um, and then I'll just end with this and we can go deeper in ways you'd like to, Justin, is um, a key difference with the fuzzy church is a centered church can still have very clear expectations and clear beliefs and say, you know, this really matters to us. And this is our center. And if you're not oriented towards that, then you probably aren't actually part of our group. Whereas a fuzzy church, it, it's, it's more a sense of what I call whateverism because you can't define things. But, but, in, a, um, yeah, but in a centered church, there, there can still be very, um, yeah, there can be expectations. There can be senses of things that are appropriate, inappropriate, but they're not handled in the same judgmental way as a, as a bounded group. Okay, I, I'll, I'll stop with that as the basic explanations of the categories. No, that's really, that's really good. And I think, I think the biggest thing that really reframes this for me is that, you know, if you've grown up in any kind of fundamentalist church or, or just in evangelical church in general, um, in America, you've seen bounded set, whether you recognize it or whether you define it as that or not, yes. right? Like you, you, you've experienced this and it really is that feeling of like, there's really no acknowledgement or celebration of spiritual movement until the, you cross the line, mm -hmm. which has always been challenging for me as a pastor being connected to people who are maybe skeptical or who are just starting to have a spiritual awakening and they're taking the first few steps. But the church doesn't celebrate that or have a category for it because you haven't crossed the line yet. And so it's either you're outside the line or you're inside the line and pretty much everyone outside the line. We wouldn't put this language to it, but this is kind of the way it works. Everyone outside that line is treated similarly, like, like you're, you're not in like, so even if movement toward the center is actually taking place, even if it's the center that everyone inside the boundary shares, right. 
um, that that lack of crossing the boundary means that person doesn't experience celebration or acknowledgement or encouragement as they're beginning that process of journeying. Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah. And, and yes. And I want to add on to it. That yes. It's not just the outside, but there's also, there's an also a dynamic on the inside that, um, whereas with, with the center there, there's a, um, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a constant, there's a gravitational pull towards the center and a sense of we're journeying towards the center. So it's not, Oh, I'm in, that's cool. I'm okay. Where with the bounded there, there, not to say anyone in a bounded church is static and not growing, but the paradigm um, contributes to a, a staticness of, Oh, I'm across the line. I'm in, I'm done. I'm okay. Um, I mean, I tell some stories in the book, you know, of, yeah, of people, sort of, I mean, literally in the sense of, yeah, I've met those requirements and the church is, is not calling to something else. Um, and yeah, I wanted to be, to be clear on this, that, you know, the, this concept, this is not the gospel. Um, th- these are, this is, uh, yeah, some concepts for helping us understand, see more clearly operate. Um, I think they are concepts that are biblical. And in, in the book, I, you know, take a, a chapter and, and look at, you know, biblical basis of this. Um, so they, they themselves are not the gospel. Jesus is the center. Um, but they on the do other influence... hand, I want to say these paradigms yeah. are powerful. And so, yeah, yeah. And, and this is what, what I'm going to get back to you, to your point, Justin, of, uh, like, so, so someone, if they're in a bounded church, they don't, yeah, and I want to be careful with this, that people are sincere. Like, you know, people are yeah. not sitting down and, and trying to strategize, okay, how can we be more judgmental? Or how can we be, you know, more indifferent, fuzzy, whateverism? It, there's sincere things behind these. But, but here's the thing. So people in a, in a bounded church, the, the, the paradigm itself has power. And so what happens is in a bounded church, you can say Christ is our center and you can say, we'll be, you know, we're welcoming to, to all. We, we want to be, you know, help the people that's not quite in, but the line has power. And so because my identity, my security is in the line it pulls me towards focusing on the line and caring for the line. And then the opposite is true. In a centered church, where's my security, my identity? It's in the center. So the paradigm itself is helps us to focus more on the center, um, whereas a bounded group pulls us, it, it naturally pulls us away. It pulls us towards focusing on the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, us, them mentalities within our world, or even just common enemy mentalities, like that is how a lot of communities organize or at least like even causes can be built that way in a good way. Right. It can be like, Hey, we're going to change this legislation for this thing that's harmful in our world. And we're going to create this almost common enemy of this particular problem in our world that needs to be changed. That can be really good. 
but it can be very bad when we're trying to create a community that centers on forgiveness <laughs> to create a common enemy with somebody who's outside of who we are or that. Yes. And, and I'm not even saying that, like, like you said, I don't think people within churches, I certainly wasn't this way when I was growing up. I didn't think people outside the line were enemies. I wanted to set it that way, but I did see myself as separate from them in, in probably an unhealthy way. Like, like uh, uh, there was a pride there, I guess, yes. or an arrogance. And I think what centered set allows for is to, to, I think as you journey with people spiritually who are in a very different place than you, maybe even a place of unbelief, you have a certain sense of humility about your faith more so than I think if you're insulated where you don't experience the faith or transition of belief for others uh, or, you, you know, yeah, it, 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 obviously it's different for each individual, but I do think much of what you're talking about are some of the systemic problems that have really faced the church um, when it comes to this in or out kind of way of being like, I think of one story, but we were, we were at, um, we had just planted a church in midtown Harrisburg and we were doing some community work. And one thing we, uh, this is probably not going to be a reference you're, you're familiar with, but there was an artist called Childish Gambino who came out with a music video titled This is America, which was talking about gun violence and racism and police. Uh, and um, we said, hey, it'd be really cool if we could host a conversation about this music video and, and the themes it's bringing up. Um, and, you know, Harrisburg is um, a very diverse community uh, and uh, also a very segregated community. So you often can't get um, you know, people of the diverse backgrounds in a room together to talk about these kind of themes. Right. And so we decided we were going to host it at a, a public place and try to see if we could get, you know, a good amount of people there to just begin a conversation, um, you know, around this. And we had reached out to one of our artist friends who we knew not a believer. Right. Uh, but, um, but she had some clout in the community and also she had something to say. And we were like, we we're, we're creating a panel we don't want this panel to all be Christians. We want this panel to be diverse because we're talking about a social issue and we're just here to kind of support. And we think this is a necessary conversation. And anyway, what was very interesting was when we approached this individual to do it, they were like, well, I don't really feel qualified. I'm not like part of your church or anything. And I'm not really, you know, and we were just like, that's not what we're looking for. We we're, we're like, you know, and so two weeks later, we're heading into the venue because we actually did church at that venue as well. Uh, and we're a few weeks away from, from the the date of the event and the artist tells me in the campus pastor i've been praying all week and i never pray and i don't know what's going on like i've been praying about this thing that you guys got me doing and just like um we sat there and you know talked about faith spirituality what is prayer for a good hour and i just remember that moment being like this I, at the time i didn't necessarily have language for centered set you know bounded set but as a pastor, I just got to journey with someone for an hour talking about prayer. And, and I, I don't think they've crossed any line like of belief. Right. I don't think um, this person would say Jesus is their center at this very moment. Right. But what I do see is an openness that didn't exist prior. So mm -hmm. I can consider that movement. And I mean, you do say movement towards the center is kind of the main thing, right. And page 27, you say that that's very typical of centered set is the idea here is to to not necessarily base belief off movement, but progress yeah. is based on movement, not just on you cross the line. Now be as close to that line as you can be for the rest of your life. Cause that's all that matters. Like you, 
and in some cases this can be as extreme as like fire insurance. I said the prayer, I'm good. I'm, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, like, and it just, it was liberating because it was like, wow, this is really cool that we are celebrating this the same. We're celebrating a baptism that happened a month ago. Like these can both be things that the church celebrate Mm -hmm. together. It doesn't have to be one or the other is what I guess I'm saying. And that's what I think is liberating about centered set. Do you, do you feel like as you're seeing centered set churches operate, they're getting a chance to celebrate with more diverse people in their spiritual journeys, even if that's not necessarily belief. Cause I think that's been a big part for me in the transition mentally of like seeing this model. Yeah. And I, I think, um, yeah, I, I would not want to say I would not, maybe not celebrate, but encourage that movement and be actually aware of it. Cause there's not a yes. boundary between them. Yes. And I, um, and, and I think, um, again, I think part of this is, I mean, even just in your story, it's not that you were, yeah, in some intentional strategic way, okay, this is how I'm going to talk to this person so that she would be more open to, you know, exploring and praying. What, what, but what happened was you, you, pulled, you pulled away the boundedness. And, and so, I mean, the gospel is beautiful. Like Jesus is welcoming. Um, so in, in a certain sense, I think that, yeah, uh, a lot of the beauty of a centered approach is stepping away, releasing us from the negatives of bounded and fuzzy. And then God works. Um, because as, as you were talking, I mean, I like have... I mean, the opposite story of say, um, yeah, I mean, I did some research. Um, well, I was a missionary in Honduras for 10 years and I was, I was doing some research there in, in churches in the neighborhood. And so I was on the street talking to people who weren't church members. And I was asking them, uh, yeah, asking them for their definitions of Christians. And um, most all of them, said, well, in order to be a Christian, you know, I need to do this, this, and this, and stop doing this, this, and this. And, and it, it struck me as so sad where here are all these churches in the neighborhood preaching the gospel and, you know, traditional, I mean, you're saved by grace, not by works, but what were the churches communicating? They're communicating to people, you need to do these things, you know, get your works. And then, then, and where that come from, it was from bounded approaches. So, um, I think, yeah, you, you pull that away and it opens up room for God to work and for us to celebrate that work without as much, um, what's the word? Yeah, nervousness because mm-hmm. our focus is on the center. You, um, on page 21, you say uh, in the soccer example, imagine a city park where people gather on Sunday afternoons to play pickup games. And then you return to this analogy later uh, on in the book and you say a number of people demonstrate their interest in playing soccer by showing up on a Sunday afternoon at three o'clock. These people's arrows are turned toward the center, the center being playing soccer, I would guess. Okay. Uh, If one person starts picking up the ball and running with it, others will say, you can't do that. This is not rugby. If the person continues to grab the ball, the others will say that she cannot participate until she is playing by the rules of soccer. That player was not centered on soccer. Similarly, the centered set church invites all, but it does not include all. I actually think this is really important um, because 
when I made this mental shift, one of the things that was really hard for me was really wanting to be inclusive and then realizing how incredibly challenging that is when you have people who work against your center mm-hmm. or who don't believe in the center that you believe in or who don't operate with the value system that you value that you've placed at the center. Speak to that a little bit. Maybe if you want to pull out the soccer analogy yeah. a little more, if you want to just, just as we think about centered set, it's not to say that obviously, like you said, everyone's invited, but there's gonna have to be things where it's like, you're, you're actually impeding others ability to find the center, maybe by, by being here, or you're impeding everyone's ability to participate. That's not, you know, th- there has to be rules, I guess, to some extent, yes. how we hold those is a little bit different in centered set, how we operate. So speak to that a little bit. Cause I think that's the first place most people's minds go to, especially if the rule followers is like, we got to have rules if they're very right. like, you know, if they, if, yeah, yeah. So talk to that a little bit. So, yeah. And, I, and I, you set that up well in the sense. So the, the third chapter in the book, I address some like common questions or misconceptions. And so I think for, um, for people who are in a bounded church, they can feel a nervousness about, wait a minute, taking away the line that doesn't so good. Um, and on the other hand, people in a fuzzy church can assume, oh, okay, yeah, centered, yeah, so we don't have these rules. And so to both groups, I want to say, no, actually, you know, there are expectations, like following Jesus has implications. And so it's, um, it's very welcoming, but as you said, it's not universal inclusion. It's not everybody's in. And so this is where, and I, yeah, I, I base a lot of this, I mean, Galatians is a, is a book I work with a lot in this book, a biblical book, I work in my book, in that Paul doesn't show, you know, he doesn't challenge these people that are trying to get the Galatian Christians to do circumcision and say, oh, no, no, like everyone's in. So in a similar way, the reason I use this soccer example is to try to get, okay, let's step out of the church world for a minute. Mm -hmm. And you can have a bounded group that's a soccer team and it's like you have there's tryouts if you're not good enough you're not in if you don't pay dues you're not in the league it's a bounded group soccer team but you can have a centered soccer and they just like hey whoever wants to play show up at the park and we're not going to have tryouts if you're no good we'll still let you play but that doesn't mean anything goes and so what yeah what i invite uh, listeners to imagine are yeah there are there are things in life for it to work for it to function, there's agreed upon rules, standards. And it's not, you know, a mean judgmental thing to say to someone playing soccer, you can't run with the ball or or, or basketball, you know, you you have to dribble. You can't just pick up the ball and run down the court. So same way, we are Jesus followers. This is what we're about. And, um, and you could say this, you know, lovingly, welcomingly, as you would to someone who, who's picking up the ball. Hey, say, hey, you can play, but you can't pick up the ball and run. But if they keep doing it, you're going to say, sorry, we're playing soccer. You're not about that. So in a similar way, it's not, it's very welcoming, but it's not universal inclusion. We are people who are oriented towards Jesus. And there are people who are not, and they've, you know, they've either turned their back on Jesus or they're just not interested. And there's there's a difference. They are not part of our body of Christ. That's a great um, segue to my next question, because I didn't read the end of that quote. 
intentionally because I didn't want to spark that next part of the conversation. But the quote ends with, and I'll read a little bit of the ending. That player was not centered on soccer. Similarly, a center set church invites all, but it does not include all. Those who want to be part of a centered church must be interested in building a relationship with Jesus Christ, the center. Now, here's, here's my question from that. The real challenge for a centered set church, in my estimation, and correct me if I'm wrong, is defining Jesus. Because most Christians today, in any context, will say they're following Jesus. Mm. Like, I, I've yet to meet a Christian say they're not following Jesus. Like, that's just not something I've heard. And so if most Christians are following Jesus, but maybe they haven't considered how their life is being shaped by his life teachings ministry, right? Um, you know, Hitler claimed to follow Jesus. Not that I'm comparing anyone to yeah. the KKK. The KKK claimed to right. follow Jesus. White supremacists today um, have manifestos that have Jesus' name in them, that have deeply Christian themes in them. Um, this is very problematic is what I guess I'm trying to say, because even just saying Jesus is the center doesn't really define anything in our world anymore because um, the work is what does your Jesus look like? <laughs> uh, and so I, I guess, um, is that the challenge? I guess even in on page 181, you said, you know, you described kind of a, the goal is like a Jesus looking church. That's awesome. But what kind of Jesus are we looking at there? And how do you see that conversation happening in churches? Or uh, do you see churches that are centered set having those conversations? Okay, so let me, uh, let me take this at two different levels of, of gotcha. um, or in two different ways that I think what you're talking about of say, define the center is very important. So when you say, yeah, who's the Jesus or, or even make, just say, who's, who's the God of the center? Um, so one is, is a bit narrower, but very uh, yeah, fundamental in relation to center set church. So first of all, when we say, who is the God of the center? Um, so if, if the God of the center, so this is a little bit, well, no, I won't say it, but it could be there too as well. Uh, if the God of the center is a harsh, accusing, you know, big eye in the sky, if that's, if that's the God that someone is, yeah, thinking about worshiping, following, then you can't have a centered church because, because what's at the center is, you know, a, a judgmental presence. And that is going to shape the character of the whole group. And you're, you're, you're ending up, you'll end up with bounded characteristics, even if you're seeking to not have a drawing a line, but you're talking about orientation to the center. So, so in that sense, Who's the God of the center? Yeah, for a centered set church to function, it must be the God revealed by Jesus Christ in the sense of being a, um, yeah, a gracious, welcoming, forgiving God who is, um, yeah, Isaiah 55, you know, it is God's mercy is way beyond our thoughts and our ways. Um, so that needs to be the God of the center. So that's at one level. If for to be a center set church, 
needs to be that God of the center. Okay, now the, the other level you're talking about is, yes, who defining your center is of utmost importance in a centered church. Now, where, where I'll go um, in writing this book, as I, th- as I thought about this, was I, don't, I wanted to avoid presenting, and this is it. And here are, you know, the list of ethical commitments of a centered church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is, you know, it's believer's baptism rather than infant baptism or the opposite, uh, you know, speaking in tongues or not, you know, I, I, so I, those things are part of a church's center. Um, but I didn't want to present just one definition of center and saying this is it so so i affirm what you're saying in that it's very important for a centered church to define what is the center um but i want to recognize churches will do that in different ways and and an example in the book so yeah so i'm i'm a mennonite so for me following jesus includes uh, yeah, a, a commitment to to nonviolence, to seeking, um, you know, peaceful means to resolve conflicts, restorative justice. Um, so I, I I really appreciate. So I say yeah. So as so as a Mennonite, as a Mennonite for a Mennonite church, then a sense of Jesus as peacemaker will be part of the center and and defined peacemaker in a certain way. Um, but as writing this book, I recognize, you know, I don't want this book to just be for Mennonites. I want this to be for all Christians. And I recognize other Christians have different perspectives on that. But what's that mean? Okay, so there, the example, I, I, I quote a Mennonite pastor, Weldon, Weldon Nisley, in the book. And he talks about someone coming into their church, and, and this person was not a Christian pacifist. And so the person, now, so, okay, so if the Mennonite church is bounded, this is their, this is part of their beliefs. You know, we're, we're Christian pacifists. Then the, the, this guy just can't be part of the group because he's not a pacifist, but Weldon is seeking to be centered. So what does he say to the person? He says, you know, for us, this is part of our center. And he said, I invite you spend time with us, you know, read the Bible with us, study with us. And I think you will come to agree with us on this center. But then this is, I think was a beautiful thing. He said, if you don't, I will find, I will help you find a Christian community that defines a center differently where you would fit better. So I give that example to try to say both things, Justin. Yeah, on one hand, it is of utmost important that the church, a centered set church defines its center um, and, and to recognize churches will do that in different ways. Yeah. And, and there could be a peace church similar to that, that even says, Hey, join us in this journey and maybe you'll catch the vision for this center. But even if you don't, we have other centering realities, right. That, um, that maybe you don't have to, I guess what I would wonder is like in that situation, let's say that church being anabaptist has simple living 
has Jesus-centered God, has, you know, a variety of other things in the center, right? And that person's really drawn to that center. Could that person still be part of that community? I would actually argue yes, as long as they're not undercutting that particular distinction or, or maybe if they're a leader arguing against it, you know what I mean? Like I think, or creating maybe unnecessary conflict as that is an agreed upon central definer of who we are. I, I don't, I, not that, not that it's not noble to be like, Hey, I'll help you find a church that, that aligns with your pre, yeah. you know, center, your particular center. But it, do you think there's options for that potentially too? Sure. Uh, or, or... But, and I think this is where centered gets messier than bounded. Yeah. Um, yeah, because actually Weldon said almost exactly the same line as you. I mean, he said, he said, what we can't have is someone coming in who's seeking to undermine our position. And yeah, that, yeah. that, like, that's the soccer player that's picking up the ball and running with it. And at exactly. that point, Weldon said, yeah, I would more actively say, you know, you actually don't belong here. And, and we would appreciate it if you, if you don't come because of you are undermining us. But I think in the other one, yeah, the, when would be the point at which the pastor would say, um, okay, I'll help you find another church. Maybe it's when the person asks, but I, I think Weldon would probably agree with you. If there can be a lot of space in this person is heading towards our center in a whole variety of ways. Yet we're not there with a checklist of saying, sorry, you know, you've only got, um, you, you know, you have six out of the eight, but you're, fall, you're, you're short on two and you've been here for three months. It's over. Like, yeah, no, I, I think in the centered set, there is more room for journey. And, and so we are talking specifically about this peace example. But I think, you know, that's true with um, with a whole variety of things, which I yeah. think comes comes out in some of the examples in the book that there, there are people that, you know, are struggling in one area of their life. Um, and, but we're, yeah, you know, we're focusing at the moment on another area because that's more pressing or whatever. That's where the spirit leads. Yeah. I mean, cause this can go from theological distinctions to even how we organize can, sure. can be at, at the center. Right. Like, so, I mean, like, do you think, and, and, and I guess, I don't want to put labels on things, but I do want to acknowledge that I, as I've been, so I, I used to be in the Southern Baptist church. I went, I, I grew up, you know, uh, I went to Liberty uh, to give you an idea. Um, and um, I, I've had even prior to that growing up a good amount of experience in, I guess what I would call fundamentalist Pentecostal churches. Mm -hmm. Um as I think back on my time and even try to like, I have a lot that I can, I would say like a lot of fruit from those seasons that is good. And then a lot of seeds too. But as I think about like, um, and seeds, not in the sense of growing, but seeds in the sense of like, <laughs> not tasty. Uh, and so, um, uh, as I think about, um, who centered set appeals to, at least as I think about the leaders at the helm of certain churches, right. Adopting this. Are you finding that more, and I don't, I hate using this term progressive, but I guess I'm more saying like, at least people who are looking for a different way are, are the ones who are, because my concern is that I would love to see a lot of our bounded churches that even I grew up in adopt a more centered set way or, or, or an entire centered set way. Right. Um, but I almost feel like so much of what 
their definition is, it would almost threaten their entire identity. Like, whereas people who are trying to find a different way are, are more open to this, or at least that's kind of the way I'm sensing it. How are you sensing it in, in practical application is, are you seeing some, you know, churches really go through like a radical transformation of, wow, we're going to really, you know, turn the Titanic here in some ways, because this is the boundaries have been such a part of our identity for so long. Um, wow. Yeah. There's a whole number of things to say in response <laughs> to that. I, uh, and maybe this is a question for five years down the road. After right. Book, right. It's really it, done its work. Correct. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. So my, my very short answer is um, I have found much less resistance to this than I would have expected. Um, oh, cool. I, I, yeah. So I'll start Good. with that. The other thing I would say, so it is more common. Um, yeah. People that have felt chewed up by boundedness they're just like, ah, oh, you know, this is, you know, a, a, a great glass of water for a very thirsty plant or person or whatever. Um, but, but, but I think there is, um, let me see how to say it. So one thing I would say, yes. So bounded fundamentalist legalistic churches are very bounded, um, but progressive churches can be just as bounded. Yeah. Um, yep. And so I think, um, and, and I say that personally. So, yeah, I, I grew up fundamentalist, legalistic, and thought I'd left it. But, you know, when I was a, uh, yeah, simple lifestyle, you know, living in the poor neighborhood in Tegucigalpa, Honduras, uh, you know, going um, social justice, I was just as judgmental about those things as I had been in high school about not smoking, drinking, dancing, swearing. So I, I think um, boundedness has wide application. Um, but in general, I find that people uh, are not aware of an alternative and they generally respond positively. So that's been my personal experience. Now they may be really upset with me and they're just not talking to me, but that's, I'm, I'm hopeful that if, if uh, yeah, if, if people can uh, experience this, taste this, and especially, yeah, I'd say, I, I think that, and that's why I appreciate you bringing up the soccer example. A centered set is not, um, you know, it's not anything goes. And so I think as long as it can create a sense of, no, we take very seriously, you know, beliefs, doctrines, um, expectations, that I think that helps. Yeah, so a church could take, a church could take a really serious stance on women in ministry. Yes. And be centered set. Correct. Can a church take a serious stance on women not being in ministry and also be centered set? Yes. So I, um, now it's, it's, and I'm, I'm just using this as a, I'm just using, yeah, no, that's a, a, that, that's uh, a really, a... that's a really good example. <laughs> and you're actually not the, you're not the first person that's asked me this. Um, 
on a well, podcast. my last guest, my last guest on this podcast was Johnny Rashid. Do you know Johnny Rashid? I don't no. know if you know him. He's from Circle of Hope in uh, Philadelphia, also Anabaptist. Uh, but he uh, he wrote a book titled Jesus Takes a Side. And um, and it's been interesting to read that book and then read this yeah. book because because his argument is that Jesus sides with the oppressed. You know, Jesus sides with with marginalized communities and we should, too. Um, and much of what the church is getting wrong today, or even just Christians in general, is that we're siding with powers. We're siding with mm-hmm. with with um, with even our own interests sure. over the interests of oppressed peoples. And so uh, I think his book is incredibly necessary. And I think centered set churches can make declarative statements for marginalized groups and justice movements and causes. I think that line gets really difficult, though, is how you as a leader journey your community through that without a sense of pride that we're better than other churches because we're the ones who will say, right, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. And that that that's really just a matter of like spiritual maturity and how we hold our theology in general. Do we hold it with an open hand? I'm trying to always learn, trying to freshly seek, you know, God uh, in everything. Um, or am I just, I've arrived and you guys have it all wrong. That, that kind of mentality just pulls us back into bounded, even if we're trying to structure as a centered, at least that's my yes. assessment. Speak more on that, whatever. Okay. So, you know. so go with the, the women in ministry thing. So for, yeah. um, to be centered, to include women, in ministry, well, that's easier because it's, you're including. So, okay. So now the church's position is that. And, and in whatever, wherever you want to put, you know, the limit that, you know, yeah. uh, women can't be senior pastors or women can't talk in front of camp, you know, whatever it is, if there's a limit, then that lends itself to boundedness. So, the, but the thing, it, it, the thing I said um, that I think that what I would say, yeah, so a church of that position can be centered but then they have to work very hard at, okay, what are they doing so that women do not feel inferior, so that women do not feel um, second class, do not feel judged, do not feel. And that, that takes intentionality. But I would say that's true for all of us. I mean, so that's a particular issue. And I think it's a great example because it's nice and concrete. But rather than you just say, oh, no, no, that's bounded. But there are things in any centered church to which we would say, no, that doesn't go. That's picking up the ball and running with it. So how are we going to do that in a centered way? That's a that's a good question for all of us, not just the churches that say women can't preach. It's for any of us. Um, so, yeah, including I mean, the examples you just said. So standing with the oppressed. OK, how are we going to respond to someone who is in disagreement with that? And we might say, sorry, as followers of Jesus, this is part of our center. Um how are we going to say, yeah, the no to them? I think that's a challenge for all. And I think it's the challenge of the next decade for pastors. Yeah, yes. like I, I really do because I, I have had in the, so I've been in ministry for 
coming up on 17 years and I have had more challenging conversations with people in the last five years than I've ever had in in ministry Mm -hmm. prior to that. And it just seems like there's just this increased, like obviously increased echo chambers, increased, you know, a lack of um, humility coming into the conversation at the beginning of it. Um, And and I'm not saying that's just on someone else. That's on me too. Um, But it's made it really challenging and exhausting to be a pastor, but also to be committed to centered set. Cause I actually think bounded set is so much easier. It is so much less exhausting. Does not take the energy that centered set takes, but like centered set is the type of thing. I'll give you an example of something we dealt with, you know, when um, the pandemic happens, we shut down. We, we are a, a church community that rents spaces. So we don't, we don't own a facility. And part of that is a little bit of our center too, is that we don't want the financial overhead. We want to be able to support ministries and other uh, things that are happening in our community more with our finances than to support a building, you know, and we're in a situation where we can do that. Uh, and, and so we rent facilities. Well, obviously COVID happens and things get shut down and we can't meet we go to digital gatherings. Well, during digital gatherings, we, we actually increase our, 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 I wouldn't call it membership because we don't have membership, but we increase those who would consider our church, their home. Right. And, um, and we come back into meeting together and, uh, and one of the requirements of the places we're meeting at is to, is to wear masks. And, (laughs) and, uh, you know, some people push back against that. Uh, and, and one person in particular was just like, I'm not going to, and this is, you know, and I tried to have like loving conversations with that person trying to help understand. And it's like, you know, even letting that person know, Hey, we have transplant survivors in our community who can't get the vaccine yet. Like they, they haven't been approved to get this yet. Cause mm-hmm. they're still seeing how yeah. it's going to react to these particular demographics. And it's like, I'm trying to, as a leader, think about marginalized people in our community and part of our ethos is to consider the marginalized and like trying to even give that as the center. And there was just like zero empathy, understanding, compassion for that. And man, that made it so hard. Cause I was like, I've never, like, it was definitely a pick up the ball and run moment, like yes. playing soccer. But so, so in some ways what's been helpful is, and, and, and maybe this is, you know, wrong of me as a pastor, but I've learned like to to have those conversations, do the, do the work of having those conversations, but then also to be like, okay, I've seen all I need to see. We're not playing the same game. Yeah. I don't have infinite time and resources. Mm-hmm. I would love to keep this conversation going and maybe find the, you know, thread the needle perfectly to, to, to find the way that we could remain in unity. But I feel like I'm the only one working toward that. And, and I've just, I guess I've had a lot of those experiences more in the last five years, but I think one of the things I'm considering is, you know, I used to go to like a memberships class at a, at a church, right. Mm-hmm. To become a member. Yeah. It's like some type of class about the center. <laughs> like here's who we are. I don't want to yes. bait and switch you. I don't want you to be here for six months yeah. and not care about marginalized people groups. And then be shocked when I say something about marginalized people groups on a Sunday morning and elevate them or, you know, uh, and, and yeah, I, I think centered set churches. Okay. You know, the Rachel held Evans quote where she says, um, 
me see. I actually wrote it down because I was like, this kind of applies in, in a lot of ways. As I was reading this, I was thinking about this quote. Imagine if every church became a place where everyone is safe, but no one is comfortable. Hmm. Imagine if every yeah. church became a place where we told one another the truth, we might just create sanctuary. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like that is her way of saying centered set church, yeah. right? Because it's like, you're safe right. here, but you're not going to be yes. comfortable because we're all yes. moving and no one's arriving. Like we're all moving. Right. Yeah, no, that's, I agree with you. That's that, that combination of those two is beautiful. Do you think, speak a little bit to the challenge of centered set, like, cause I do think some hear this as a model and they're like, oh, cool. Yeah. Less judgmentalism, but also it's, it's work. Right. It, no, when you said, you know, it is challenging, it's tiring. Um, it, it reminded me of, I was, I was given a workshop about this in Peru one time. And there's this young uh, Pentecostal minister and we did, you know, a morning session studying Galatians. I'm talking about these things. And so just at the end, I say, you know, thoughts, responses. And he stands up and said, um, you know, at first I was a little skeptical, but you've convinced me. And then he said, but this is going to be more work for me. He said, it's easy to do bounded. The pastor, I just stand up and I make a pronouncement. You know, this is it. This is the right way to do things. Do it. But he said, this is going to require me walking with people. And that's just such a, a, a great contrast. I mean, centered, it requires walking with. We're on a journey together. Um, and, and so it, yeah, it, it requires uh, discernment. And fuzzy is easier as well. I have, um, I, I thought it's when you, you were yeah, sharing that last thing. So in the, um, in one of the chapters of the book, I have, talk about different different uh, areas of ministry in which many people think, no, you just got to be bounded because you need this, you know, strictness. And I say, well, it's, it's similar to the, you know, safe, but not comfortable. So I say, you can be firm, but not bounded. And one of the examples in there is, is from a ministry that's working with people um, out of prison. And so they're working with them to, to help them get back into society. And so they, and they had, by their admission, they had been fuzzy. Um, but they said, you know, it, 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 it wasn't working because there needed to be things that people like needed to commit themselves to do that they had learned in their experience. You know, if you are going to reintegrate in society and not end up back in prison, you're going to need to do these things. Um, what, so the challenge is one is making that clear, but then also when people don't do them, it's easier to be fuzzy. Like, yeah, that's cool, bud. You know, just like, yeah, bro. But if you're going to be centered, then you have to say to someone, sorry, you know, you have not fulfilled your covenant commitments. You can't be in this program anymore. That's harder than being fuzzy. But it's harder than being bounded because then if you're centered, you also must say, and we love you and if you want to come back, you will always be welcome here and let you know this in no way communicate. God loves you. We love you. But if you're going to be in this program, you need to fulfill these things. So it it there are. Yeah, there are other layers of um, work, expectations, uh, effort, discernment, curiosity, yeah, yeah. compassion that go with this. When I read that section, kind of what really popped out to me was 
accountability as a mm-hmm. word that kind of kept coming back to my head of like accountability is agreed upon terms between you and someone else mm-hmm. that in order for it to be successful, or at least in my experience, there has to be a pretty strong relational bridge there prior to, or at least that yeah. has to ha- has to be, has to be right. happening amid that. And the way our churches are structured, the average church cannot accomplish that for every member, whether yeah. you're centered or bounded. And I think that's the struggle there too, is like, yep. I, I, I don't have any business as even your lead pastor holding you accountable for something. If all I really know about you is your name and the name of your kids, yep. like, and, and in certain cases, like, you know, <laughs> that's our context of yeah. how we've done church. So I think that's actually part of the challenge too, is like, being in people's lives more yep. gives you more ability to be held accountable and hold accountable. Like mm-hmm. both that, that two way street of sorts. Right. Like, but I've often found that like, if accountability isn't agreed upon, like if you don't go into it saying you are doing this for me, I need you to hold me accountable to rehab, to, you know, reassimilating to society after, you know, prison, like the, the analogies you give there, like, yeah. it's like if, if, if I go in with that commitment, I need someone to not be afraid to at times shake me and get my attention <laughs> right? and tell me I'm, I'm off course. I'm not, I'm not doing what I said I would do or, you know, but I think to, you know, to do that in our churches, the context of the way we're organized, it's just almost too deep too soon. And it can really threaten the relationship, I would say, to step in. And have I, and obviously it depends on the scenario, right? But I guess I'm just saying, like, I've seen a lot of pastors pull people aside to have very, um, I'm not even going to call them judgmental conversations. Maybe they see them as necessary conversations about character, about, sure, you know, confrontation, but confrontational conversations, you know, whatever, or difficult conversations, but not assessing the relational bridge that they operate with that individual prior to that conversation and then being shocked when it's not received well. And it's like, you're not really organized in a way that that was going to ever go over, you know, the bridge. (laughs) Yes. Um, From there, you know, you said we should prioritize people over rules on page 155 and um, on page 164, we should explore rather than pronounce. And I, and I agree. I agree with these. Um, but how do you see centered set churches and these distinctives of prioritizing people over rules and exploring rather than pronouncing being adopted in larger ter- church contexts or mega church contexts? I was a pastor at a mega church um, for a while and um, you know, thousands of people. It, it's hard to prioritize people. Um, or even a commitment to explore, right? Uh, when something that large operates largely in a systemic context, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so do you see it easier for grassroots or smaller churches to make this transition to center set than mega churches? Or I guess, you know, curious about your thoughts on that. So, okay. And, and this is a, a parallel kind of thing of what you're saying. I mean, you're emphasizing the importance of r- relationship that without relationship, you can't do this. And I, I think a parallel thing to that is this is not something that a pastor 
can do um, alone. Yeah. yeah so yeah, it's yeah. this is not just yeah. So we're not going to end this podcast by saying, okay, all of you pastors, go get this book, read it, and then you can do centered church because. Um, because, yeah, it, it, there's a relationship needed for accountability, but there's also there needs to be an awareness of what a centered approach is, you know, how I am. So if I'm talking to someone else and they're in a fuzzy mindset or a bounded mindset, I'm going to be centered. That's not going to work as well. So um, I think it's very important, whether small church or mega church, that something is done in the church to communicate the approach to everyone so that it's not just something for the pastor in her study or his study, figuring this out and go out and do it. And so that's part why I made, um, I made the set of videos with the Jesus collective for like use in, in small groups that are shorter. Cause yeah, I mean, I'd love it if everyone read the book, they're not going to. So make these videos. It's a way of, uh, yeah, of bringing more people into the conversation. So that's, Start with that observation, then yeah, I think for um, and, and so real, real wanna, quick, real, real, real yeah. quick, I'm just gonna say I I bought those videos. I've I've only watched one so far, but like I'm already thinking about wow, this is a great resource because um, you're right. We have a book club. I'm not sure everyone in our book club, you know, how many people would sign up for it, but I do know if I prioritized it as more of like a video series, it might be more accessible to more people. So that you know, centered set centered set church.com, right? Um, yes. uh, go, going there, there's option to purchase that. Um, I think like you're saying, resourcing the whole community, not just the pastors, but I still think even in resourcing the whole community, you have a lot more community to manage. Right. And a lot no, I more got, systems. I got an idea. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so in a mega church, then I think obviously, uh, you know, your, your house groups are going to carry the weight of a centered approach because of the things you said that it, I mean, so centered preaching matters. Like, so what, how the teaching is up front, like that's really important, but at the level of walking with people, that's going to happen in small groups. And so it is of fundamental importance for a mega church that there is training, you know, throughout the system. Now, having said that, I and so yeah, having there's some people. I mean, yeah, some examples in the book from mega churches, and I have a couple of former students that are in one. And one of them, he told me, you know, they would have staff meetings, and they would share, um, they would share examples, and they would say, okay, you know, I'm I'm working with this person right now. This is what's going on, and then they would reflect together. Okay, how do we respond in a centered way? Um, so just to say, yeah, even in a, in a mega church, okay, we'll work with your reality. So it's not that everyone in the room knows this person, but the one person can say, here's the situation. And then they say, okay, what does it mean to love this person? How do we do that? And you're getting input from others. So I, I think, yeah, in a bigger church, the importance of smaller groups but still then as, you know, staff, whatever, to work together and to get insights from each other. And so, yeah, I think there's advantages and disadvantages to both small and to big, but I, yeah, I think it can be done in both. I didn't think about that, that collaborative ability to bring problems or challenges to a staff meeting 
where you might have a number of people from a number of perspectives, you know, obviously the more diverse your staff is, the more yeah. diverse that's going to look and to potentially be open to a different approach of uh, approaching the challenge with a centered mindset, that that could actually be a strength that mega churches have that smaller, more grassroots churches, you know, might not have, yeah. it might be more limited in your resources there. That's yeah. I mean, I do think innately grassroots churches, small churches have a little more flexibility, right. Mm. To, yes. to, 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 to change their definitions and communicate them to the majority faster, but like, um, nimble. yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. Okay. So um, we talked, we've talked a lot about kind of the, the struggle of centered set. One thing I was thinking while I was listening to, or when I was reading this was like, um, wow, this kind of requires that churches adopt a growth mindset. Like, I don't know how much thought you've put into like growth mindset versus fixed mindset, mm -hmm. but you really need to be thinking of it as a journey, not a destination kind of outlook. Like if you feel like you've arrived, mm. you have to change that thinking to I'm in process too. Even as a leader, yes. I'm in yes. process. Um, talk a little bit about, I, I think the challenge from going from bounded set to centered set you know, that can be challenging for some people, but I think the deeper challenge might be that the bounded set also reinforce the very fixed mindset of the world, of our theology, of what we believe. Um, you know, I have conversations with people that have a very fixed mindset about how they read the Bible about, and there's no, or, or even the translation of the Bible they read is the only right translation. Mm -hmm. And it's very fixed. There is no like, Hey, let's talk about some of the history of that. Let's talk about like why maybe maybe the version I'm reading isn't heretical. Like, I don't know, like, like, um, that, that, and, and so I'm just saying it comes in all different flavors, right? There's not, I'm not saying this is just like the most, um, you know, polarizing thing you can think of. Uh, but I guess what I'm saying is that growth mindset piece, how essential do you think that is to centered set and, and, and the idea of it being a journey, not a destination? Yeah. So I guess I would more say, not that I would argue with you saying it's essential, but I would say more it um, it facilitates, it enables a growth mindset. Because again, you think about it, safety in a bounded set church is in fixedness. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it, it's that, that it's safer to be fixed, and there's. Yeah, again, going back to where we started, we talked about the paradigm itself um, leads someone to consider themselves of having arrived because mm -hmm. otherwise, if I, if I say, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not, not quite measuring up, well, then th there's shame in that. And so, um, whereas I think, and okay, and this is, and again, maybe I'm being naive and over optimistic here. But when you first started talking, I thought, but Justin, in our heart to hearts, all of us know we haven't arrived. Like we're, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I may in my bounded set things, I may have presented uh, a sense. But yeah, even this, I can remember, you know, back yeah, in my 20s and I would read a new book that is 
Yeah, like um, I can't remember the person you just interviewed. Like, you know, pretend here's yeah. you know, 25-year-old Mark Baker reading that book, and he's like, Oh, like, wow, this Christian thing, we need to be caring for these people. Okay, so I add that to my list. Um, and then I, you know, with my bounded mindset, I could there came times I couldn't live up to my own um my the 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 own expectations, limits, things that I had put forward. So I, I think there is in, in our being, there's parts of us that know I'm on a journey. I haven't arrived. And so what I think happens in the centered approach is it enables us to be honest about that and to be okay. So I think the one approach facilitates fixedness and another approach facilitates a growth orientation and again, my hope, perhaps over the optimistic, but is that when people step into a centered thing and feel a sense of, oh, I'm safe here, there's compassion for me, then, yeah, it's not like we have to point a finger at them and say, and remember, you're on a journey. That, they, I think they will, that will be expressed. No, that's good. I think, I think it also, like you had said earlier, it, it, it could also be how they see the leaders holding that, right? Like, yeah. Um, acknowledging a journey, acknowledging even a, a, a path that they're on. I think so much of the pressure of being a pastor is this feeling that everyone expects you to have the answer or to, to be no longer in process because mm -hmm. you've arrived and I need to figure out how to arrive sure. now. Um, and not that everyone would put it in those terms, but that is kind of how the sure. expectation is, right? The expectation is that, you hold the right beliefs, you hold the, you know, like that kind of vibe, if you will. I think it does change for pastors who have been kind of taught to preach that way, to preach with right. a certain level of confidence, with a certain level of like black and whiteness even, right? And not that we don't have distinctives, but I guess, I guess I'm just saying like to be more even open and honest about their own journey. Right. Of like, you know, uh, if you're going through a crisis of faith or if you had one that you can share as an example, that could be really helpful for someone in your community. Share that. Don't hide that. Like, uh, and, and I've know so many pastors who would never share about their seasons of doubt yeah. or faith or, or, or struggle um, because they just, they, I don't think they feel like they've given, been given permission to do that. Yep. Um, and in centered set, I think that actually can facilitate more communal growth to see the leader is even struggling at times to keep moving toward the center right like that to me is there's an honesty there that's like right and attractive it's, it's you know yeah and it's true yeah it's, it's funny how truth wins out um <laughs> uh you you mentioned shame at the start of that um at the start uh there and i on uh on page 144 you introduce the distinctives between uh disintegrative shame and reintegrative uh uh, shame. And I actually thought that was really good. I was like, wow, there's more here. You didn't yes. dive deep into these two terms, but I thought that was really good because we're living in a world right now where cancel culture is something we, we hear all the time about. And in a lot of ways, I'm not going to say bounded set is responsible for cancel culture, but I guess, or, or bounded set churches are, but yeah. I guess what I would say is like bounded set is a little bit like a low key cancel culture. Yep. Like we're, sure. we're, we're kind of, we're canceling people. You're out, you're, you know, yep. and, um, and, and we didn't even talk about what bounded 
church does, you know, and, and part of what I just said about authenticity and truth is that bounded set, we often just think about the people on the outside and the pressure they feel of like, I have to cross to come in, but there's a ton of pressure on the inside. If you start to have a crisis of faith, who can I trust with this information? Correct. Because it might be the very person that pushes me outside of this community. Right. And so there's tons of internalized shame that you might never actually express or feel from somebody, but you just, the fear of like, if I'm honest with what I'm starting to feel or sense is true, that's in conflict with my community, I could be pushed out. And this could be my, my, my family, my friends, um, my coworkers, like there can be so much of your life is in that community. And at the base of who we are, we're tribalistic people. Like that's, we lose, when we lose our tribe, that's a traumatic experience. And um, I guess I just really liked how you introduced shame and even the fact that we're, we all do shameful things. Like, right. right. have our community members say that was, that was wrong. Like that was shameful. Like that, like, that's not necessarily um, a terrible thing, but is there a path toward redemption? Is there a path back? And I've even thought that as I see people on a very popular level get canceled of like, wow, if there's not a path to redemption right. in some way, we're really creating an interesting um, uh, space. So I guess talk a little bit more about anything that kind of triggered that I said in there, but also Maybe address how, as we think about cancel culture in our world and in our churches, because our churches support it, you know, that's a reality, uh, you know, or have been spaces that have, you know, canceled people. Um, do you feel like centered set will help us in some ways move beyond um, or at least reconsider different ways of processing shame in our communities? It, it has the potential to um, and, and this is, this goes back to what we're talking about, you know, what's at the center is matters. Who's at the center matters. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. if we take seriously that, the God revealed by Jesus, the Jesus and the gospels at the center, um, then yeah, we, we can't be wrapped up in cancel culture because, um, because Jesus didn't, um, <laughs> and, and so, uh, yeah, so Paul, I mean, Galatians six, one, you know, if, if, uh, you know, if someone is caught in sin, so then, you know, work gently to restore them. And so Jesus and, but Jesus wasn't fuzzy either. I mean, you know, he's, he's, he confronts people. He forgives people. You need to forgive is not fuzzy because if I forgive you, then I'm saying, yeah, what, what you did was wrong, I'm, but I'm forgiving you. Um, but Jesus worked for, uh, yeah, restorative shaming. So people did shameful things, but he was always about bringing them to the table, whether it's the Pharisee or the tax collector, he wants to eat with them. Um, so I think as followers of Jesus, we are called to, um, yeah, what, what I call integrative shaming or, you know, uh, 
an approach that is working towards restoration, making things right. And cancel culture, I think is rooted in, and again, it's back to, I think it's, you know, I, me, my tribe, we're right. We're, and there's something in it for me in cancel culture. Whereas I think as followers of Jesus, it's not about me. It's, it's about yeah, the community. It's about God's kingdom. It's about Shalom. And so that may mean, yeah, confronting someone, but doing it with the intention of restoration, which changes then how you'll do it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Jesus, you know, speaks very you know, to tease out some of those examples. Jesus speaks incredibly harshly to the Phar- to the Pharisees, to mm-hmm. the religious leaders of the day. Um and at the same time, you know, Nicodemus comes to him in the cloak at night and he still talks to him. He still has yeah. a conversation out. The call wasn't, oh, it's no big deal. You know, like it's, you got to be born again. Like that's right. a big deal. Like, you know what I mean? Like this is, this is entirely transformative, which, you know, I love telling people the only person in the Bible ever told to be born again is Nicodemus. <laughs> like it's because his particular circumstance of the way that he saw God was so fixed on this way of, you know, the Pharisees that it needed to change and it needed to be like a complete renewal. And not that we all don't need that to some extent, but it is important to understand who that was told to. That was told to someone who had only seen God a certain way and was going to need to be born again in the way they see God. And then you have Zacchaeus and you know, Jesus sits down and has a meal with him. We don't hear Jesus say anything to in the in the account to shame Zacchaeus mm-hmm. we just his presence with him seems to open Zacchaeus to maybe I'm wrong like yeah like, well you know and I, mean? I see that and, you know, leading a bible study on um you know the, the woman caught in adultery why did she say neither do I condemn you well you know she didn't need she was already dripping you know flooded with shame like she didn't need someone yeah. else to tell her hey that was wrong like so, yeah. um, but there are people that Jesus does say, stop, like that's wrong. And so, yeah, I love um, in regards to this uh, Luke 15, which I talk about in the book. Yeah. So Jesus is eating with the tax collectors and sinners and the Pharisees come up and complain, but Jesus doesn't go bounded. He doesn't, he doesn't say, you know, forget them. This is the right group. Um, But he also doesn't go fuzzy. I mean, he he stands up and confronts the Pharisees, tells three parables, and each of the three parables are inviting them to come in and join the celebration. So it's it's not an us, them, you Pharisees are the wrong group, we're the right group. It's what you Pharisees are doing is wrong, inappropriate, um, and yeah turn around, come join us, join the table. So it's not fuzzy or bounded centered. Yeah. You get really into Luke 15 and it's really good. That, that, that portion. Um, yeah. I, I really think centered set in our current time of, um, I feel like down the road, we're going to see that something happening right now that's been happening in church is going to be, some sort of reformation, you know, I, I don't, I mean, it seems like the church goes through a reformation every 500 or so years, 
um, when you look at church history. Yeah. But they're, they're, we're definitely going through something at least, and let me make it this very clear, at least in Western context. I, I don't want to make that uh, applicable to everyone, but um, I've seen it over the last few years. Um, and I do think like centered set while making it more complicated and maybe more challenging um, for the many upcoming challenges we're going to be working through um, as we have less and less people going to church, the next generation really having very little desire to um, attend church based on statistics and such. Um, it seems like this is definitely a model that can help us be more aware of reaching the next generation and being more open to actually doing discipleship. Like I think evangelism and discipleship really can, can thrive in this. Uh, any final words you want to say about the book? Uh, I, again, I just want to make it very clear. If you're a church leader in any way, shape or form, or even just a Christ follower and wanting to expand like uh, your understanding of church, um, you know, practices slash models and options, or even just a person who wants to live a more centered life. Uh, great book, highly recommend it. And I think if you you know if you want to recommend it, if your staff reads books together, great one to read. Any closing thoughts? Yeah, uh, Doctor. So Baker? let me just on that note on the pr promotional and explain it. So a thing that um, yeah, I think listeners probably caught up, but just to highlight about the book is like as I start at the beginning. Justin didn't come up with this. I didn't come up with this. Paul Hebert did. And there are there are lots of people. Yeah, if you Google bounded church, centered set church, yeah, people writing blogs about this. What's different about this book than I think any other resource available and why I wrote the book was it, it's, uh, you know, two thirds of the book is on how to live this out, not just explaining these concepts, but how to live it out. So wanted to highlight that and then just to yeah to mention again um that video the videos are not it's not a video version of the book it's covering the basics sort of the first few chapters to use as a way of bringing other people on board and um yeah and then just finally i do teach at a seminary we have an online program um would love to have you uh join us here in fresno at fresno pacific biblical seminary in person or online and um thank you very much justin and yeah my prayer is that uh this will go out like uh ripples and uh spread so please spread the word to others thanks for this opportunity awesome thank you for being on thanks for joining me for this episode of beyond boundaries a huge thank you to dr baker for being on today please go order dr baker's book centered set church and uh, consider following him, uh, reaching out to him if some of these themes were things that really connected with you. I think the book is great, and I highly recommend it, especially if you are a church leader or a leader of any kind of faith organization. It brings up some very necessary conversations. Consider rating, reviewing, and sharing this podcast episode. And finally, consider donating to my Patreon or Venmo. It helps cover the costs of hosting this podcast in all the places you enjoy listening. Any amount helps. All the links are in the description of this podcast episode. May you go and live a life that is beyond boundaries, giving others love, exploring new ideas, and championing belonging.